So I'm super excited about this sermon series that we're starting today. I came across some great teaching from a guy named Craig Rochelle a while back, and it blends so well and coincides so well with what we're going to be teaching that with their permission, we're going to be using some of their graphics and some of their contents for this series. But I'm just really excited about this series. It's called I Want to Believe, But... And what I've noticed, and I bet you've noticed too, is when it comes to faith, there's, there's all kinds of people, right? There's some people, they believe in Jesus no matter what, right? When it makes sense, they believe. When it doesn't make sense, they believe. And then there are some people that are kind of like the opposite of that. And it's like they do not believe no matter what. They won't hear of it. They won't talk about it. They could be on a boat on Canyon Lake fishing, Jesus could walk up to them on the water, take the one fish they caught today, feed 5,000 people with it, and they still wouldn't believe. They just will not even talk about it. But then there's a whole lot of other kinds of people. I think there's a lot of people that are open to the idea of God. It's like they wanna believe, but something's holding them back. And I think there's a lot of people that say we believe, and, and, and we do believe, but we have to admit that sometimes because of what we know or believe about God, it makes us hard for us to believe in God. And I think there's a whole lot of us that have spent our whole lives believing, but then at some point we run into somebody that makes a great argument against God, or God doesn't do what we thought he was gonna do, and all of a sudden it's getting hard to believe in a God that we can't really see and we don't always hear and we can't always feel, and he seems to have a lot of rules, and sometimes he seems kind of mean. Sometimes he doesn't answer my prayers. And so we, it's hard for us to believe, and I think a lot of people are feeling like they're rejecting God when in fact, they aren't rejecting God. They're rejecting a distorted image of God. So we're gonna get into it today. It's all a little heavy, and so before we start, um, can we have some fun before we get into this? Let's have a little bit of fun. Here's what I'm gonna do. And for once, we're gonna play a game that old people have an advantage, okay? I'm sick of these young people with their perfect vision, <laughs> their great hearing, and they don't gray hair. So we're gonna play a game today, and we're gonna give a little bit of an edge to the old folks. Here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna play a theme song from a TV show, okay? And the first person that I hear holler out the name of that show correctly, I'm gonna give a My CBCB t-shirt, okay? All right, so listen, you're gonna have to help me because there are gonna be a lot of names at the same time. So if somebody near you hollers it out first, everybody point at them. Okay, are you ready? Matt, are you ready? Okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, let's play the first song. Holler it out when you know it. A lot of old people today. Okay, somebody point. Who was it? Was it you? All right, Lisa, here we go. I don't know what size the shirts are. You can trade them in at the end. That is the Andy Griffith Show. Okay, ready with the next one? Y'all ready? Come on, old people. Ready? Here we go. I don't know. Who was first? Dennis? I mean, it's a big day for Dennis. It's his first, he's a member now. So I'm going to give it to Dennis. So that was, that could be, that could go almost any direction. Look at that. That's a great catch. Okay, get ready. Get ready. A younger one? Brace yourself. 
Who is it? Over there? Everybody knows it. Okay, you gotta catch it. Watch out, Bill. It's gonna hit you right in the head. Look at that. That is such a good throw. Okay, uh, got a couple more, or at least one more. Let's hear Who was bringing up three very lovely girls? All of them had hair of gold. What is it? Who said it first? A lot of people are pointing that direction. Butch, I'm going to throw this to you. You give it to who, get, who should have it, okay? Watch your face. That one curved a little bit. All right, I think we got one more for the little bit younger people. What is it? I just like the song. Okay, what was it again? Who's first? Right there? Okay, get ready, brother. Coming at you. That is so good. Okay, enough fun. You guys having fun? Well, that's over. Uh, some of you young people are going to have a hard time understanding this, so I'm going to try to explain it to you in a way that makes sense to you. But when some of those TV shows were popular, there was like a really weird phenomenon when you watch TV, and that was if you wanted to watch the show, you had to watch it when it came on. Right? And I know the young people are going like, what is he talking about? But in those days, hey, if you wanted to watch Fantasy Island, right, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, if you're not there, you don't watch Fantasy Island, right? And then the next week, it was a completely different Fantasy Island. So that was your one shot. And I know that's really, like, hard for people to understand. Like, how did they survive, right? We lived like cavemen in those days because now we can watch whatever we want whenever we want, right? You want episode three of season two of Parks and Recreation? Boom, done, on demand, right? Christians, you want to binge watch a whole season of The Chosen? Boom, done, on demand. Sinners, you want to watch a whole season of Yellowstone? <laughs> Boom, right, done, it's on demand. And it's not just TV. Our whole world is on demand now, right? If I want a new shirt, if I need a part for my truck, I don't have to go to Sears, right? I don't have to order it and wait six weeks for it to come. I got Amazon Prime, baby. I'll have it tomorrow, right? On demand, boom, done. Even if we want restaurant food, right? If I want to go to my favorite restaurant, I don't got to wait in traffic and then wait for a table. What do I do? I hit up DoorDash, right? And miraculously, it appears on my porch. Boom. Done. It's on demand. And I think because we live in an on-demand world, it's easy for us to believe in an on-demand God. And when on-demand God doesn't deliver what we want, it kind of pushes us back. And it feels like, well, I mean, how can I, how can I believe in a God that supposedly loves me when my life is terrible? You know, I ask him for stuff, and he doesn't do it. I ask him to make my life better, and he doesn't. I, I ask God for a better job. I can't even get an interview. I ask God for a family or a friend 
or a spouse, and I'm lonelier now than I've ever been. I asked God for a healing, and I just got worse. I asked God to bring my prodigal child home, and nothing happened. And so it seems like either God isn't really able to answer our prayers, or he just doesn't care. And so how can I believe in a God like that? Because with on-demand God, we ask, he answers on-demand. So when we believe in that God and then we pray and ask him for something that really matters to us and then it doesn't happen, it's easy to just make this assumption that God must be weak or unable or he just doesn't care or he just doesn't exist at all. And the problem isn't that God doesn't exist. The problem is that God doesn't exist. On-demand God doesn't exist. If you don't believe in, if you believe in on-demand God, you are gonna be disappointed. And if you don't believe in on-demand God, you've not rejected God. You've rejected this false, distorted view of God. We have this picture of God like he's, like he's waiting on, like a waiter in a restaurant. You know, and he's got his little notepad and we tell him what we want and he writes it down and then he goes and brings it for us. But listen, that's a God we have created. That's not the God that created us. That is not the God of the Bible. And I think it might be shocking for a lot of us to realize this, but when we look at the Bible from front to back, you know, we really look at the story of the Bible, we aren't the main character. God is the main character. And the God of the Bible doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. He's the potter. We're the clay. He's the creator. We're the created. And he doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. He is the holy one. He is the alpha and omega. He is the first and last. He is the omnipotent, sovereign, king of the universe. He's not on-demand God, just sitting around with a notepad waiting to take our order. And that, I think that brings up a fair question, right? If he's not on-demand God, who is he? Because I don't want us just to see who God isn't. I want us to see who God is. I don't want us just to see this God that we shouldn't believe in. I want us to see the God that we should believe in. And so today we're gonna look at three truths about God and it's a God that we can believe in. This is gonna be three truths about the God of the Bible. And the first truth is his heart is always loving. So we're gonna reject this distorted view of God that's on demand with his little notepad and we're gonna develop a new view, a right view, a biblical view of who God is. The first thing is his heart is always loving. Parents, this will be an easy one for you to understand um, because I'll tell you two things that are probably true about you as parents. Number one, there is never a time that you don't love your children. Huh, right? There's times you don't like your children. But as a parent, most of you will agree, there's never a time that you don't love your children and yet there are times that you don't give them what they want. You always love them, but there are times that you say no. 
when your three-year-old wants to stay up all night? The answer is no, right? When your six-year-old wants to jump off the roof and see if he can fly, the answer is no. When your 12-year-old wants to skip his chores for the week, the answer is no. When your 13-year-old thinks he can drive a car, the answer is no. When your 14-year-old girl wants to date an 18-year-old boy, the answer is, oh, heck no. <laughs> right? There's never, and, what are, and what is their response to that when they say no? Their response is always the same. Oh, because you don't love me. Right? Especially the girl <laughs> when she's 14. Oh, but you hate me. There it is. And as a parent, it's, it's hard to explain this to him, but no, I, I, I know you don't see it. I don't, I don't hate you. There's never a time that I don't love you. But there are times that I'm gonna have to say no. And sometimes that's to protect you. And sometimes that's just for reasons that you right now are not old enough to understand. Or maybe that's for reasons that you just can't see. But as a parent, even though we never don't love our children, there are times that we say no. And even though our Heavenly Father doesn't always do what we want, and even though the answer is sometimes no, there's never a time that he doesn't love us. His heart is always loving. Take a look at this verse. It's Romans 8:35. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Let me update that for you a little bit. Does it mean he no longer loves us if our marriage fails or the healing doesn't happen? or we don't get the job? Does it mean he doesn't love us if we struggle with depression? Does he mean he doesn't love us if we get cancer? Does it mean he doesn't love us if somebody that we love dies? And look, the answer is right here, the very next verse, 837. It says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Not death or life or angels or demons or our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, and nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, this is important, that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate us from the love of God which is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God doesn't show his love for us just by answering our prayers on demand. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his love for us by sending Christ to die for us. And that love doesn't ever stop, and that love doesn't ever shrink, and that love doesn't ever fade or diminish, even when we don't understand why he doesn't always say yes to our prayers. This, this vision of God as an on-demand God is, is just not true. But one thing that is true about him, his heart is always loving. And then another thing that's always true about him, his ways are always higher. This, the real God, the God of the Bible, he's not an on-demand God, but his ways are always higher. Um, as a pastor, I get a lot of hard questions. I mean, 
you know, why did God make mosquitoes? And, you know, where did Cain get his wife, right? What is God's plan for my life? I get a lot of hard questions, but I'm gonna tell you the hardest question is why. Why would God let this, if he loves me, why would God let this happen? I've been with three families in the last three weeks that it's a funeral situation and the person that's passed is in their 30s small kids, right? And when you're sitting with a a woman and she's saying, I've got babies, I'm pregnant now, and my 35-year-old husband is gone, why? You know what the answer to that question is for me as a pastor? I don't know. I don't know why. Romans 8.28 says, God is working all things for our good, but I have to tell you, a lot of times I don't see the good and the things that are happening around us. If you're interested in this topic, there's a really great book called The, the Question That Never Goes Away by a guy named Philip Yancey, really good book. I don't like the answer to that question. The answer really is, I don't know why. The answer really is in Isaiah 55. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Sometimes I pray for stuff, and, it, and I know you do too, and it's like, it's so obvious that he should say yes to this, right? It's, it's good for everybody. It's good for everybody. God, heal my mom, right? Make her well. It'll be good for her. It'll be great for me. Be great for the grandkids. It'll glorify you. It'll encourage somebody else. Man, this is a no-brainer. Come on. God, why would you say no to this? Why would you not just do it? It's obvious you should do it. But our faith is not in an on-demand God. Our faith is in the one that knows everything and sees everything, and he's already in the future, and he's God, and he's sovereign, and he's good. And he knows what's best for us. And he wants what's best for us. And he's able to bring about what's best for us. He sees stuff that I don't understand. And, and he knows things that I'll never know. And he he's, has plans that I can't even comprehend about things that I don't even know need doing. His ways are higher. And I think that's a struggle for everybody, right? Because it seems so obvious that he should. Why doesn't he? I think it's a struggle for everybody, but every once in a while, don't you get like a little glimpse that his ways are higher? Like you, you, you pray that you'll get this job. Oh God, please give me this job. And you don't get it. And it's like, come, why? Why? And then you get a better job. And you say, oh, that's, that's why. Or you pray for your boyfriend because he's an idiot. And you pray, God, please change him and make him awesome and bring him back to me. And the answer is no. And you say, why? I love him. (laughs) I love idiots. Why? Why? And then you meet the right guy and you say, oh, that's why. 
Sometimes we get like these tiny glimpses. We get these little peeks into God's plan and we realize that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Sometimes it's stuff that's just really hard for us to understand where we are. Um, A couple years ago, um, there's a mom here at the church, she had two kids, and she prayed every day that God would protect her kids. And her son Michael, when he was 16, got hit by a car and killed. You talk about why, right? Why? Why? That was a very, I mean, that was hard, right? Why? And we had his funeral here, and in the funeral, we gave like an invitation. You know, Michael's in heaven now, and maybe you should think about where you're going. And so we gave an opportunity for people to meet Jesus that day, and we said, hey, if you do it today, if you become a Christian today, on the way out, grab one of the new believer Bibles that are stacked up on the table out there. And we gave away 140 new believer Bibles that day. So Michael's in heaven with Jesus. And I'm guessing that he would say, I'm doing great, right? I'm with Jesus. And if I had to come here 60 years earlier or 70 years earlier so that 140 people could live here forever, I'm okay with that. He has a glimpse, right? Now, sell that to his mom, right? Try to convince her of that, that that's a good trade. Because her pain is real. And she doesn't understand, you know, why did God do it this way? Why? Sometimes we get like a little glimpse of his higher ways. We get a little, a little peek into his plan, and it still doesn't make sense. I mean, she was excited that all those people got saved, but she still didn't understand why. And I think it's great for us to look for meaning and to try to understand it. Um, there's a really great proverb that says, it's God's privilege to conceal the truth and man's privilege to try to figure it out, right? So I think it's okay for us to try to understand his thoughts and try to see his ways. I think it's good for us to do that, but you need a warning. Here's the warning, you might not get there. You might not be able to understand it right now. Just like your 14-year-old girl doesn't understand why she can't date an 18-year-old boy right now. You might not be able to understand his ways are just higher. His thoughts are just higher. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, now we see things imperfectly, like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. This is the way we see life right now. If you've been to a fun house and they got those weird mirrors and now like you're super fat in this mirror and you're super skinny and you're, now you're upside down and everything's all distorted and it looks all weird, like that's how we're looking at life right now, right? Here's what it says. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but it comes with a promise. Here's the promise. This is now how we see things, but then, right, someday, then we will see everything with perfect clarity. He says, all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Someday, Jesus will make all things new. Someday, everything that's painful and ugly and hard will be made peaceful and beautiful and amazing. And then we'll look back and say, oh, now I see why. 
And you've already seen it a little, right? You've already had, everybody, if you're over 10 years old, you've had a glimpse of this thing where you realize that your life makes a lot more sense in the mirror than it does in the windshield. Right? Haven't, haven't we all had these little glimpses where we, we were going through something so hard and we look back later and we go, oh, now it makes sense. Now I see why. I tell you, one of my favorite things to do is to get my grandkids in my lap. I'll get one grandkid in my lap. And it's best when they're a little bit tired. And they're, you know how they get like heavier? When you're holding a kid and they like kind of, kind of like melt into you a little bit now as a grandfather at this stage in life, the middle part of me has gotten remarkably soft. And it's awesome because they can just like kind of melt in, you know? And so they'll sit on my lap and we'll get out my phone and we'll look at pictures on my phone. Remember that day? Remember that shirt? Remember that trip? Remember that Christmas present? You were trying so hard to figure out what was in that present. Remember that? And they'll always ask questions. How old was I in this picture? Who are those other people in this picture? How come your hair is so brown in this picture? (laughs) So Waylon is four. And Waylon will do this for hours. But I could do it for days. I love doing that. And I think they're one of the great pastimes we're going to have in heaven is going to be sitting in Jesus' lap, just surrounded by his goodness and just enveloped in his love and just sinking in to his lap, sinking in to his heart and looking at old pictures of our lives on his phone. And seeing memories of things that made no sense to us when they were happening and one loss at a time, one heartbreak at a time, one unanswered prayer at a time. Jesus will make right all the wrong. And he will undo all the pain. And he will take away all the hurt of our past lives. And then we'll see his plan. And then we'll know his thoughts. And then we'll understand his ways. And then we'll say, oh, now I see why. And I mean, here's a good question. Why doesn't he just make everything right now, right? Why doesn't he just take away loss and pain and betrayal and cancer and divorce? Why doesn't he just take this stuff away now? That's a legit question. And you know what the answer is? I don't know. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher. So for now, we live in a really weird world where God is still God, but Satan still has power, and people are still broken, and everything is still corrupted by sin and death, and all we get are these tiny glimpses 
of his kingdom come. Now we live in this world where God is taking things that are corrupted by Satan and that are ruined by our own choices and that are dirtied by sin and death and somehow he's working those things for good and sometimes we see glimpses of that good and that's cool and sometimes some things we won't understand for a thousand years but our faith, our belief is in a God that we can trust even when we don't understand, even when the answer is no because we know and we believe He's not on-demand God. He's a God whose heart is always loving. And he's a God whose ways are always higher. Now here's full disclosure, right? Even with that faith, even if you know that God, it is really hard when the answer is no. Because we pray for things that seem so right, you know, that are so important to us and they seem so good. You know, God, heal my wife. God, protect my kids. God, send me a friend. God, take away this addiction. Take away this pain. Take away this fear. And the answer is no. It's hard. In fact, if God is not on demand, if he's not always going to say yes, can we even make it through this life? And the answer is yes. Romans 8 says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Even now, even here in this jacked up world, even when God's answer is no, because no matter how hard it is and no matter how dark it gets, God's presence is always enough. God's presence is always enough. Um, one of the most famous passages in the Bible is the 23rd Psalm. You probably memorized that when you were a kid, the 23rd Psalm, and it starts really nice, right? The Lord is my shepherd. We're in this green pasture and there's this beautiful stream and he's restoring my soul and there's no ants but there are butterflies, right? There's no clouds but there's rainbows and just everything is peace and popularity and promotions and popsicles and you know what? Sometimes life is like that and, and God's with us there. But it's really interesting because in that same passage, it gets really ugly in verse four. And David says, when I walk through the darkest valley, maybe you memorized, um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is an amazing thing that he writes. Even there, even in the valley of the shadow of death, even in the darkest, ugliest, scariest place there is, he says, I won't be afraid. Why? Because you, God, are with me. Even when it's hard, even when it's dark, even when it's scary, even when the answer is no, I'm not afraid, I'm not beaten down, I'm not overwhelmed for one reason, because God is with me. His presence is always enough. In fact, sometimes, this is weird, somehow, I think we experience him more deeply in the valley than we do on the mountain. I think sometimes we experience Jesus in a lot like more profound way when we're in the valley of the shadow of death than we did back at the stream in the pasture. I, I, 
it, it's really interesting how we experience him more completely. We, under, we have a different view of him in the really dark, hard, scary places that we never got when we were by that pasture counting butterflies. Um, the interesting passage in Matthew 14, one of my favorite Bible stories, it's two stories. Um, Jesus is on this beach and he's by this really big lake and the disciples are there and people are all around and Jesus is like preaching this incredible message and amazing miracles are happening, right? And he's healing people and blind people are seeing and crippled people are walking and dead people are standing up and he, he does the famous miracle where he fed 5,000 people with a fish sandwich and it's just like, it's just all good at the beach, right? This amazing, incredible, just one miracle after another. It's just incredible stuff going on on the beach. And now it's over. And Jesus says, okay, you know, pick up all the trash and they're cleaning up their mess or whatever. And Jesus says, hey, you guys get on the boat, go across this big lake, I'll meet you on the other side. So the disciples go out and they're on this, it's a really, really big lake. And so they're going across this lake and like three or four hours later, they're not across this lake yet. And remember, they're not in, you know, a night, they're in like an old wood boat, right? This is a creaky old wood boat. And they get out and this storm happens. And so now it's like two or three o'clock in the morning and it is black, man, just dark. The only light is lightning, right? And this huge storm and the waves are crashing and the rain is falling and the wind is blowing and the boat is coming apart. And these guys are thinking, that's it. I mean, we're, we're dead. And they look across the water and they see Jesus walking on the water. And Peter, of course, Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out there and I'll walk on the water. And Jesus says, all right, go, you know, it doesn't say all right, but in the Greek, it's like, all right, go ahead, come on out. So Peter gets out, starts walking on the water, right? And then he starts falling down because he freaks out or whatever. So Jesus reaches down and picks him up and carries him back to the boat. As he's walking on this water, he puts him in the boat. Jesus crawls in the boat. And just as they're all like drying themselves out of water, as soon as Jesus gets in the boat, the storm stops and the water settles and the sky clears. And in verse 33, the disciples say, wow, you really are the son of God. And my question is, who did they think he was on the beach? When he was doing all those miracles and healing people and, and blind people were seeing and deaf people were hearing and crippled people were walking and dead people were getting up, who did they think he was then? I, think, I, don't, know, I don't know how this works, but somehow they experienced Jesus differently in the storm than they did on the beach, and so do we. When God's answer is no, and when it's hard, and when it's dark, and when it's scary, and when it doesn't make sense, I think sometimes we've all been there, right? We turn to God, because there's just no place else to turn. And a lot of times we do that, and even though he's not on-demand God, and even though he doesn't fix the problem, he doesn't take the pain away, we sense his love and we feel his presence and somehow it's enough. And a lot of us have learned sometimes when God is all you have, you realize that God's all you need. His presence is always enough. And you know why I think that is? When we, when we have nothing else to lean on, and we really fully lean into him. When we really just crawl up in his lap, I think we get like a little foretaste of heaven, right? We get like a little glimpse of his kingdom come. We get like a little taste 
of sitting on his lap and seeing all things made right. I think we get just a little view of the great thing about heaven because the great thing about heaven isn't gold streets and it's not a gate that's made out of pearls and it's not you know, that we have perfect bodies or they have great Wi-Fi service or something. The great thing about heaven is being with Jesus. The great thing about heaven is being in his presence. And so even when the answer is no, and even when it's dark and hard and scary, being in his presence is enough because that's where we experience what we were created to experience. That's what we, create, we experience, what it's like to really have relationship with him, to really be in him. And I think that's why when the answer is no and things are hard, we can still have peace. That doesn't even make sense because even though on-demand God doesn't exist, we believe in a God so much greater because we believe in a God whose heart is always loving and whose ways are always higher and whose presence is always enough. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for who you are. And Lord, man, I think I need to confess that sometimes I've seen you as something you're not. Sometimes I've seen you as this genie or something, just you know, waiting for my orders so that you can do whatever I tell you to do. And Lord, I, I reject that God. I reject on-demand God. But Lord, I want to fully accept you for who you really are. You're a God that always is loving. And you're a God who's got plans and ideas and thoughts that we can't possibly understand. And you're a God whose presence is always enough, no matter how hard, no matter how dark, no matter how weird, no matter how scary, no matter how confusing or frustrating our life be, is, Lord, we just praise you because you are enough. Just being with you is enough. So Lord, I just pray that as we're going forward in this series that you'll show us more and more of maybe some of these false ideas we've had about who you are and show us more and more about who you really are. God, will you please reveal yourself to us? In Jesus' name, amen.